0: good morning everyone Um, today we're kind of in the christmas season Um, although for me i'm quite a traditional christian in many ways and i don't think of this as christmas yet for me this is advent which is a time of preparation for christmas a bit like lent is preparation for easter so i come from a family where the christmas tree goes up on the 24th of december so um Uh, I'm more in the Advent mind frame at the moment, thinking about how we prepare for Christmas, how we prepare for that celebration of when Jesus came to Earth as a baby. But in order to prepare, I want to start way back before, um, to look at Jesus before he came to Earth. What do we know of him before that time, before, the start of the Christmas story. I'm going to jump around a bit today. We're going to start in John 1, um, and then we're going to go to Genesis 1, and then to Daniel 7, Revelation 1, and Philippians 2. You might want to keep your fingers in those, certainly in the Daniel 7 and the John 1 passage. But while you're finding those, I'll just kind of outline what I'm gonna do this morning. I want to look at two questions. Who was Jesus and what did he leave behind in order to come as a baby at Christmas? And because I want to look at the heavenly Jesus, my words aren't particularly heavenly. So I want to um, leave time for you to focus on the words of the Bible and to focus on who Jesus is, so that that leads us into awe and worship. So for you to do that, I'm going to be leaving silences. So I hope you're comfortable with silence. Um, You'll notice that I use the word, the name Jesus. And I use that word, that name, because it's the one we're familiar with. But it's not a name that you find in the Old Testament. That was Jesus' earthly name that was given to Mary by the Holy Spirit. This is what you're going to name your baby. He has other titles and names in the Bible. They talk about the same person, but they don't use the name Jesus. And I'll be mentioning some of those. Also, sometimes we get so familiar with some passages in the Bible that we kind of go, yeah, yeah, I know what it says. We don't look at them too carefully. Others of them just feel weird and we, we don't really know what to do with them, so we can't skip over them. Uh, today I'll be including both of those kinds of passages. So now you've had a chance to find John 1, Daniel 7, um, whichever of the others you want to put your fingers in, let's get started. John writes at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. about the word as a person, or a person as the word. Um, It wouldn't have been strange to first century people in the Eastern Mediterranean world that John was writing for. So when Greeks used this term, they understood not only the spoken word, but also the word that was still in the mind, the reason. And when they applied this to the context of the whole universe, they understood it to be the rational principle that governs all things. Now, I don't do the rational principle that governs all things, but the Jews have another word for him, and that's God. And so the Jews would have understood God by the term, the word. So um, John is already bringing in for his readers both Greek-speaking and um, Jewish, what um, he's talking about. But in our own context, if you want to get to know someone, you don't just see them at a distance. I mean, you don't know your favorite actors because you don't spend time with them. You know the roles that they play, but you have no idea who they are. If we want to get to know someone, we have to spend time with them. We have to listen to them. We need to listen not only to what they say, but how they say it. And as they speak, you kind of begin to get a feel for what makes them tick, who they are. Now, my words express who I am. And sometimes, like today, when I'm standing at the front and I've carefully crafted what I'm going to say, I sound really nice and godly, and sometimes my words off the cuff show that I'm not quite as godly as I like to think I am. But anyone who stands here to preach reads the same Bible, knows the same Jesus, but we speak differently. If I stood up here and preached like Piet preaches, it would sound so weird, it would sound so fake, because I'm not Piet, that's not who I am. But by listening to um, me preach, I bring something different to what Piet brings. And the same is true of anybody who stands up to preach here. So my words express part of who I am. And in the same way, the word expresses who God is. There's nothing fake about him. This is Jesus, the word, expressing God. In his very being, Jesus shows us who God is. The one who came to earth was the very expression of who God is. No wonder Jesus told Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about that. Jesus as the Word. As we look again at that first verse of uh, John 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word was with God and he was God, how does that work? How do you get your head around being is and with at the same time? It's a a mystery that we may not fully understand in this earthly life. But an illustration that I was given when I was a teenager I find quite helpful. Now, I come to the whole of life as a Christian and as a scientist. So my illustrations may bring science into this. And I like to think here of steam, water, and ice. They're all the same substance. They're all H2O, but they're completely different. mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't bath in ice, and you wouldn't use water to skate on. You get, yeah, that wouldn't be nice. Um, And so they they have different um, uses, different actions. They're all the same substance. They look and feel different. And they can all exist with each other. So sometimes you'll see kind of steam on the top of ice or water and ice together. They can exist together, they're the same substance, but they feel and behave differently. Now, you can't take any of these illustrations too far. Don't dig into it too far, but it may be a helpful way to think about that with and is together. Or another way to think about it is that God is and has always existed in community. He is a community in himself with and is together. So that might be more helpful for you. In Philippians, Paul says of Jesus, being in very nature God. So that idea of of, um, Jesus being God at the same time as God is God. So you may want to think now in a few moments of silence as Jesus as part of community or that idea of water, ice and steam. We'll go back again to John 1. And we read, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. So, by starting his gospel as he does, John is wanting to take us back to Genesis 1, which also starts in the beginning. And this is John focusing on the fact that Jesus was there. In the beginning, at creation. Involved in creation. Nothing has been made without it. You know, in Switzerland we see the majestic mountains. Jesus was making those. We see snow and if you look at the intricate flakes of snow, Jesus is involved in making those. The trees that we've seen turn from bright green through to orange, brown, yellow, colorful flowers, scurrying ants, lumbering elephants, the whole range of creation Jesus is and was involved in. If we look at Genesis 1, we, in verses 3 to 24, each act of creation starts with, and God said, let there, or and God said, let the. So when we see, and God said, it was his words that brought things into being. Or rather, it was the word that brought things into being. So Jesus was involved right from the beginning. In Genesis 1 verse 26, we come to the creation of people. And that starts a little differently. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness. Now this is the first intimation we get that God is not an I, God is a we. God is in community right from the beginning. So it wasn't that God somehow separated himself when Jesus came to earth and then separated again to send the Holy Spirit. Right from the start, God was one in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus was involved in the creation of mankind and he continues to be involved in creation. One aspect of creation that fills me with awe every time I think of it, is the creation of a baby in a mother's womb. You know, just one tiny cell grows into a human being. And, you know, that baby develops eyes when there's nothing to see. They develop lungs when there's nothing to breathe. They develop fingernails. You can see the fingernails right from early on. And and they develop legs quite early too, as most mums tell me they know about. Now, as a scientist, I understand how a fertilized egg develops into a baby. I understand the science of that. How if, um, a cer- if certain specific genes are triggered at a particular point, you get a boy and not a girl, how just a few cells in the right place develop into the whole of the central nervous system. And I, I get that, but it never takes away from the wonder and the awe of the designer, the creator and the sustainer of creation. So spend a few moments now thinking about Jesus in the context of being our loving creator. We'll go back again to John one, and we read, in him was life, And that life was the light of all mankind. To me, the light speaks of Jesus' glory. But What does glory look like? And how do we get our heads around it? In the Old Testament, there are several different descriptions of, usually of visions, But sometimes it's things that God wants to use as as illustration. And sometimes it's visions that the prophets had. And I want to focus today on some of Daniel's visions. Sometimes the words he uses conjure up a really clear picture. But sometimes he uses words that maybe we're not so familiar with. Or just need a little bit of editorializing. So forgive me if I editorialize the text. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about what these passages mean. What I want you to do is as we read and in the silence afterwards, to think about the glory of Jesus that they describe and to see something of who he is and who he was before he came to Bethlehem. So in Daniel chapter seven, Daniel says, as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. The Ancient of Days here is God, or Yahweh. His clothing was as white as snow. Think here of the sun shining on new snow, a light so bright it hurts the eyes. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing. Think here of the red-hot molten lava that pours out of a volcano. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. That is thousands upon thousands were serving him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Then Daniel sees one like a son of man. Son of man is one of Jesus' favorite terms for himself. He referred to himself as the son of man. So one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel has another vision in chapter 10. I lifted up my eyes and looked. And behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from ufas around his waist. His body was like beryl. Beryl is a kind of mineral. And two types of beryl are emerald and aquamarine. So think of that incredible, his body was like emeralds and aquamarine. His face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So they may not have seen the vision, but they knew that someone was there. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. These visions that Daniel had show light, beauty, glory, power. They inspire a sense of awe and wonder. John records a similar vision of the risen Jesus in Revelation chapter one. He sees someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one, I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. As we draw to a close, if the band can come up, that'd be great. I want to go back to Philippians 2 because Paul doesn't stop just at saying that Jesus was in very nature God. He says that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage some translations have did not consider equality with god something to be grasped rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself to the glory of God the Father. So when Jesus came to live among us, he made himself nothing compared to what he had been. The glories of heaven exchanged for birth in a stable. He was separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit in a way that he never had been before. While he could still connect with God and with the Spirit in prayer, it wasn't the same. And instead of being the creator, he became part of creation, subject to the rules that he had set at the beginning. He left all the glories of heaven, the angels who served and praised him. This is what Christmas is about the God of the universe coming to serve, Emmanuel, God with us.